0: To the Productivity Podcast. Delighted today to be joined by Jason Cotter, who's the Chief Executive Officer at Ollenstein. Hi, Jason, how are you? Hi, Simon, I'm good. Very, yeah, looking forward to joining you on your podcast today as well. Good, no, really appreciate you coming on. I know it's busy in your world and, and we'll find out a little bit more in a second what that is and what you're doing currently but before we get into the detail of kind of current life do you want to tell us a bit about yourself your career biog where you started where you've been to and how you ended up at Allenstein?
1: Yeah sure I'd love to um thanks um so I've been at Allenstein now for just on two and a half years um and uh, this was my uh this was my first gig as a CEO so you can tell from that that my uh my timing's absolutely lousy because I've spent, um, I think, three months of normality and then most of the last two and a bit years uh, managing through a pandemic. So it's been a, it's been an interesting uh, transition into the CEO seat. But before that, I spent 10 years with Costa Coffee, so running um, their UK business for a couple of years, sort of latterly, a couple of years running their international business across about 26 markets mainly franchise but some owned as well and then before that um, hotels with Travel Lodge restaurants with TGI Fridays but my my whole sort of that I guess thematically through all of that I started out in in operations on the on the sales floor with Tesco's back when I was a teenager and and I've stayed in operations for probably 90% of my career so it's only been the last you know five to ten years I came out of operations and, and started doing broader general management roles so my passion's very much with people both um both team and um and our customers as well so I think kind of in in, in a nutshell that's how, how I arrived in this seat
0: so yeah strange strange time to be in the top seat but if you can manage through a pandemic then everything else should be playing sailing right <laughs> you
1: know, so so everybody
0: keeps telling me but but
1: yeah I, I think i think the pandemic's been you know it's been fascinating hasn't it because um the, the way i put it to my team is that that we that, that, there, there are no right or wrong decisions because you know who, who knows what the right answer is when you're managing in such a period of you know of the unknown and for us at ollenstein what what we've done right from you know the very first sort of inkling that we we had a problem which actually for us was quite early on because we've got a pretty substantial business in in Copenhagen airport where a, we're a Danish company so we've got a good presence there and um we actually started noticing the the downturn as we headed into Christmas and in January of sort of Christmas of 19 and, and January of 20 because we saw flight numbers starting to passenger numbers starting to decline but um but beyond that point the the thing that we've done is just sort of look to our values as as an organisation and as people, and and sort of make our decisions back against that because that has stayed a, fi- a fixed point in a, in a very you know ambiguous world. I think looking to your values as an organisation and to you know sort of how hey, you see yourself uh, as a leader has been the has been the sort of the lodestone for how we've how we've thought about running the business over the last couple of years.
0: Yeah, I think lots of businesses out there, their core values have shone through, haven't they? Whether that, that's what they believe they were or they've played out absolutely to the letter. It's been an interesting time to see those true brand values play out in regards to customers and colleagues.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. And I think that the, for for those of us that have come through it, in a in a positive way, and clearly we're not out of it yet because as, as we head into yet another bout of it, um I think, you know, if you survive this, then you're likely to survive anything because I think you've been you've been pretty much tested, haven't you, in terms of those values and whether or not you can hold true to them.
0: Absolutely. So for those that might not be familiar with Ollenstein, and I don't mean that disrespectfully, because you're, <laughs> kind of, you're growing in the UK and kind of south, south upwards. Give us a bit of background about what you guys do, what you stand for, what people can expect when they come and visit some of the amazing stores that you've got.
1: Yeah, thanks. Uh, so, you know, the the organisation we're, we're celebrating our thirtieth birthday this year. So, thirty years ago, um, two amazing bakers Ole and Steen um, brought their businesses together and, and founded a, a truly outstanding organisation in Denmark. Um, and in Denmark, we're we're called Lauke Hussl, which is a is a bit of a mouthful for a British speaker. So, uh, unsurprisingly, when we came to the UK, we uh, we became Ollenstein and, and named after our founders. Um, but um, yeah, they founded a business in Denmark thirty years ago as, as bakers, um, producing some truly outstanding products, um, both in confectionery and in cake and in, in and in, in bread. Um, and they grew that business steadily over the course of the next sort of ten or fifteen years. In the in the early two thousands, they took in some private equity money. And really accelerated growth in in Denmark. Um, In 2017 we came to the UK and opened the first store in the UK in St James's and then started to grow from there and then in 2019 we opened the first store in New York. So today we're more than 105 bakeries in uh, in Denmark, 16 in London and three in New York. and we are a baker. So, you know, what, what we get very excited about is the quality of the baked goods that we produce. So truly amazing range of um, breads, cakes and, and confectionery. And then in our um, in our international markets, very much a, a, a cafe business as well. So a significant part of our business would also be coffee and lunch and the like. But we're a business that was, you know, has taken real Sort of value-driven um, thinking around the quality of ingredients we use, the simplicity of the processes we use. Everything we sell, we make, um, and typically the, the during the night as you consume it on the following day. Um, and we've stayed true to that, so that's true in in Denmark, in London, and in New York. We make everything ourselves, um, and we make it with the you know the simplest ingredients of the best quality that we can find. We've got a lot hundreds of, of bakers and confectioners that work for us to, to produce those products. And then obviously we, we deliver them out to stores and and uh, across Denmark, London and, and New York. Um, so it's really a product led and founded organisation in the first instance. But then I think what we've added to it is some truly amazing and very cool Danish design. So we, we invest a lot of money in the stores that we build. They're they're beautiful there's a there's a lot of marble and a lot of polished brass and a, and a lot of um, a lot of beautiful simple scandinavian danish design and then we like to think we sort of bring that danish service ethos which if you're lucky enough to have been to denmark Danes are very hospitable very smiley real service culture around around their sort of hospitality businesses and that's what we've then tried to transplant into into london and into new york so uh that is a a short history of us
0: and you talk there about kind of some unique points in terms of cradle to grave so you kind of make it simple ingredients ship that into the the stores and then consumers get to see it and again for anybody who's not been to a store find your closest one and and go and take a look because amazing (laughs) cakes how can it speak speak from experience uh (laughs) cinnamon socials is one of the things on my list every time i go now toasties coffees you've now got the app as well haven't you where you can start to build some loyalty points and get free bread get free cakes get free toasties and drinks as you kind of make your visits more regularly what when you kind of landed and you have grown quite substantially in certainly in that kind of m25 corridor in in central london what's the kind of feedback from customers you've been getting because it is a different proposition to costa to nero to starbucks so it it may people may see it fits in that mold but when you experience it it's very different
1: yes yeah, so, so i mean you know I, I i i have a deep and undying love for costa having spent 10 years there but i, I really understand that business and, and yeah you're right we, we're not a coffee shop we're definitely a baker and 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 i think the, the, the why i sort of draw that difference is that the thing that we get Passionate about, excited about, is the quality and the breadth of products that we bring to the bring to the market. The fact that you then choose to consume them, you know, in our lovely environment and with a coffee is is slightly secondary to the product in the first place. So, so I think that's the fundamental difference for us. Even though, you know, to the average consumer, and clearly I'll be I'll, I'll have we'll happily serve anybody. Um, I, I think that people. More so in the UK and New York, users in the same way as they w- might use one of those other other players. But I think that the what we bring is that is just a, a much bigger breadth of range and a, and a and a real sort of quality premium note to to everything we do, be that design or product or service or, or locations and or whatever. So I think that's probably the, the the key difference in terms of how we see ourselves. Um, versus how the customer might choose
0: to use us i think for me what that rang home when our team went out to denmark to do some work there for you guys and they came back and said you'll never believe the drive throughs people go through ordering bread nobody orders copy <coughs> in the drive-through they order some bread they get it sliced and off they go that's absolutely
1: true so um and, and i think that you know you 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 do see it much more clearly in our home market here here in denmark where now we are to all intents and purposes a retail baker for the for, for the for the most part. So, you know, people come to us daily or or you know every other day to buy their pastries, to buy their fresh bread. Um, and that's very much how they use us. You know, Denmark's a very bread culture. You know, bread is truly the hero, very celebrated here. And the sort of, you know, consumption of bread and cakes and the like is is much higher than sort of typical on average for the UK. But I guess we're trying to bring that quality and that i guess convincing consumers that you know that paying a premium price for bread when it's well made with great ingredients is is a price worth paying as different to all the other ways that particularly british people consume bread which is for the most part from supermarkets
0: yeah and once you've tasted that higher quality product then you really notice the difference when you go back if that makes sense yeah you can completely
1: and you know i I know you, I mean, you and I have had this conversation at the time. We've known each other, Simon. I think, you know, that we, we often say that, you know, bre- bre- bread only needs four ingredients, flour, salt, yeast um, and water or sourdough starter and water. So, you know, when you pick up a loaf of bread in the supermarket and turn it over, bread in the supermarket has a lot more than four ingredients. And you should just ask yourself, why? Well, what's it doing there? What's the purpose of all those other ingredients in a loaf of bread? Um, and that's the, the you know the way we sort of think about bread particularly and and rye bread which is you know not massively popular in the UK more because UK people you know the UK consumer is not exposed to it but you know that's a, a very significant part of what we sell in in um, in Denmark but it takes us nearly three days to make a loaf of rye bread because of how long we combine the ingredients for how long we let them mature um, and then the you know the care we take over the process, and we think that then pays you back in the quality of the product that you that you get at the end of it. But you know you should always ask yourself the question, you know, when you put a loaf of bread in the in the bread bin at home on on day one, and you can still eat it on day seven, there's a reason you can still eat it on day seven. You know, my my bread will not last seven days. It will be amazing on day one, and great on day two, and fabulous for toast on day three, and after that. You know it shouldn't be around you should buy another loaf um because that's about the quality of the ingredient that's in it and it's about the ingredients that are not in it
0: as well no yeah, absolutely wise words so what can people expect in the UK from Ollenstein in terms of growth plans are you are you gonna are we going to see more of you across the country is it going to be gradual is it going to be really quick
1: yeah so, so I think in totality i mean twenty twenty two will be our highest growth year in our history. So we'll open more stores this year than any year in our history um, across all three markets. Um, but the biggest number will open in the UK. So we'll open somewhere between, I don't know, probably ten and thirteen stores this year in the UK. But mainly, well, sorry, it's totally inside the M25 or the or the sort of broader M25 corridor, if you will. Um, and that's primarily to do with the fact that we. You know, make and bake our products very locally to where we sell them and we don't believe in transporting products over very long distances um, where we can avoid it because I think it it damages the product quality. Um, So if we decide to go further north and I'm sure we will at some point then we also have to bear in mind where will we build our next bakery in order to be able to supply those stores. So big growth plans, but we think we can do it within that sort of M25 corridor for at least the next couple of years before we have to think about pushing a bit further out.
0: And you you talk there about, you know, the challenges as you you move, let's call it up north. you then clearly got to have this bakery or a number of bakeries to service the product in the way that you want it to get there from a quality and freshness point of view. From landing a, a new brand in the UK and then growing that, what other challenges have you seen?
1: I, I, I think um, I, th- I think actually, in fairness, we were less sure about what we were when we arrived in the UK. So I think we were trying to be all things to all people, and, and what we've done over the last couple of years is just get really focused on being a great baker. So you know, we we see our purpose as creating a, a better bakery for all, um, and it's taken us. A, you know, words are simple, but words are powerful, and it's taken us a long time to get to that. You know very clear purpose as an organization so I, I think that you know I guess what what we've learned in coming here has been get very clear about what you are and what you're not and then that really helps you with your decision making process and then I think the other thing you know as always you're landing a new brand in a new country is is you know then driving awareness and getting customers to understand who you are and what you're for and then I guess for me the final point would be one around Price point and, and and being in the sort of premium end of the market is that you do have to do a certain amount of convincing the consumer why it's worth paying more for something, um, and I think that you know we, we're not the only player in this space. Clearly, there are there are other great artisan bakers in 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 the UK, but I think that the. The education, or the, or the allowing people to become more educated about bread and quality, I think is is, is a sort of longer term journey that we're we're still on. But I think people are are facing into it, and, and I actually think in that respect, as we know, um, COVID and lockdowns have been pretty helpful because you had a whole load of people piling into making their own sourdough and and making their own breads and cakes and at home, which is you know we think that's fantastic because. You won't always have the time to do that. And if you haven't got time to do that, then, you know, come and buy it from us and we'll, we'll be very happy to provide it. And 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 then at that point, you know quite how labour intensive and quality intensive making those kind of products are.
0: Yeah, I've got my sourdough starter in the fridge, which is, <laughs> I don't know if it's the first one we did because we you kind of take a bit off, don't you? Every time mm-hmm. you make, make a loaf. But yeah, we did that in lockdown. Yeah. And I think the first one we used, is it Apple to um, yeah, start kind of it off it to start yeah. it, and then the the next one we did, we left it outside because you can use kind of the yeah, air, fresh air, can't you, to yeah. start it off as well? But yeah, again, once you start to do it yourself, you understand how difficult it is. You know, I've still not mastered getting the, the cut on the top. So you, it kind of balloons nicely in the other minor. <laughs> slightly strange shapes and the uh, textures, but yeah, it, it is an art. It absolutely is. When you start to try yourself, cause you, it's really difficult to replicate anything close to what you'd buy in one of the shops.
1: Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And, and I, I think it's, it's really interesting. I've, I've been in our, one of our bakeries this morning in, in Copenhagen, just on the edge of Copenhagen. And, um, Watching the, um, watching the guys and girls in the confectionery making our Christmas products. So D- Danes have a massive massive Christmas tradition around um, particular products. Um, and uh, we have a particular product called Crancicay, which is a, effectively a, a very marzipan heavy cake that comes in six sort of concentric rings that we stack on top of each other and then with a little cap on the top of it. So it's kind of like a Christmas tree shape. But each ring is individually iced, um, and we are making tens of thousands of them at the moment um, by hand. And and I think that when you when you watch the teams and and just quite how skilled they are at producing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these products iced by each one individually iced by hand, then you realise it just reminds me what an amazing business this is. I get this you know that warm fuzzy feeling about the, the sort of real integrity of us as an organization in how we handcraft all of these products um, and just letting customers know that that's the story of the product and that's why it, you know why it will taste amazing and why you'll be really pleased with it but also why it you know it, it deserves the, the price premium that some of our products have because it's truly handcrafted handmade and and you know pretty special.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, if one thing lockdowns taught us, it's about handmade, local, artisan, time and effort and care and attention rather than potentially mass produced. Yeah, very much so. And I I just want to touch before we close on kind of sustainability and and food waste. Certainly in the UK, and I'm, I'm assuming it's the same around the world, sustainability... Probably second on the agenda to to covid, and once covid dies off or calms down, I'm sure it'll become top again, and food waste really topical where Where as an organization are your thoughts around that, and what kind of things are you thinking about as as we move forward? Everyone seems to have a twenty thirty target in this this type of area yeah so so um yeah i mean it, it, if, if we, we we've sort of you know set out a broader
1: e s g agenda if you will which covers food waste, diversity and inclusion and sort of packaging and and those sort of secondary sort of usage products that is our, we published for the first time in our annual report in in May of this year. So that was the first time we'd gone public with where our focus was um, and setting ourselves some targets that we would then come back and report on each year in our our annual report. So it's very close to our hearts and, and we've really made some moves forward on it this year. I think that the um, food waste is a logical one for us because clearly we're a fresh food business. Nothing that we make has more than one day's life. So if we get it wrong, it's going in the bin. And clearly that's not great from a sustainability perspective. So what we've really set out to do is to tackle that in a number of ways. So we've set ourselves a target that 95% of the raw materials we take into the business get used in some constructive way, and I'll I'll define what get used is. Um, So obviously in the first instance, we want to make them and and for customers to buy them and go home and enjoy them. That's clearly number one. Um, Number two, um, because we're a baker, then there is quite a large percentage of the products that we don't use that we take back into production and reprocess them into something else. So um, some of our bread goes into back into our sourdough and back into our rye breads to, to become part of the starter for the next round. Um, we use a lot of our pastries back into some of the cakes that we then make the following day. So these are very sort of generationally tried and tested things that bakers do in order to make sure that we don't waste anything. We use Too Good To Go. So we've got a, a partnership across all three markets with Too Good To Go to... Um, Provide a, a discounted bag of our products at the end of the day to, to customers who sign up to the app. So that's been really successful for us and great for our customers in terms of you know accessing a, another se- sector of the market. And then we um, and then whatever gets back to the that we take back in as part of waste, we then send to bioethanol processing. So between a combination of get the order right in the first place, and we've invested heavily in that reusing products, too good to go, um, and bioethanol, then we're, we're approaching north of 90% of now of everything that we bring in, we use, and, and it gets used constructively. So we're pushing hard on food waste because we think it's clearly something that customers can care about. It's something that we care about, um, and, and we've made some really good progress on it. So I, I think that that's probably our the, the one that we've made the biggest progress on. The one that we're adding to your to your 2030 question, Simon, is is that we hadn't had anything about our sort of um, carbon footprint and sort of decarbonising our business, um, and that's clearly very topical with COP 26 and 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 the like. So we're currently looking now at, at taking the first step in that in terms of establishing what our current carbon footprint is, and then from there setting science-based targets and and then ultimately the you know the ambition to become carbon neutral at some point but I haven't um it's been a big internal conversation as to what we should say publicly about that and and we're not sure yet other than we're doing the legwork so that we can make a decision and make some sort of statement about it in the near future
0: amazing I mean it's good to hear that there's some really clear plans and the other stuff that you're thinking about and taking it seriously so amazing and and ironically too good to go are going to be on one of the future episodes of the podcast so we we've worked with them in a couple of organizations so they'll be on to to share their message which clearly is helping everybody reach their their targets in the future jason final question from me then what's the best bit of business advice you've ever been given (laughs) you 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 could have queued me up for this Uh, one Simon no no one gets no one gets queued it's off the cuff this one I I think it's it it,
1: it's probably it's in the people space and it's about that taking a chance on people because I think that I've been lucky enough in my career to have had you know two or three people in my career that had a real fundamental impact on me But it's been primarily because they've believed in me and and taken a chance on me. So I think that's probably the the single best thing that I've learned along the way is that when you see somebody with a bit of spark and a bit of drive, then take a chance because, you know, the chances are it will pay you back.
0: No, that's really good. That's really good. It's been a a pleasure to catch up as always. I, lo- I love our chats. We uh, we go into all sorts of detail on random things, but I think this this one's been really good. And I would encourage anybody listening who's not been to Wallenstein the next time you're in London, check them out absolutely guarantee you won't be disappointed have a cake have a panini have a coffee whatever takes your fancy but if nothing else just go and have a look because the stores look beautiful the teams are great that we've worked with over the last couple of years and the product's brilliant so um that that's my closing sentiment other than thanks for coming on again jason it's been a pleasure thanks very much simon really appreciate
1: it speak soon take care take care.